Don't spare the horses, it's uncle says. podcast discussion of making short videos for YouTube while living in China. I am your host Emily and with me is Peter. Peter. And we are coming to you live to take from beautiful Lukwu Studios in Luzhou, Sichuan, China. It's been it's been a holiday here for for Labor Day, May 1st Labor Day. And uh, today we're going to talk a lot about recharging your creative batteries. So stick around for that discussion. But first, let's check in with how is your uncle? So it's Labor Day here, and um, much of the world celebrates Labor Day on May 1st. We don't in America, but other places are different from America. What? Yeah. And so we've been on holiday, a couple days holiday. Um, I actually had to work today because the Chinese have a system of moving around your weekend days to make your vacation feel longer. Um, so this morning I did have to go to school and pretend it was Friday, um, but that's not so bad. And then my schedule, my Friday afternoons are free, so I'm here to speak with you. But we had a really nice time off. Um, we A friend had a birthday, so we went out to his birthday party celebration, and we just went out and walked by the river. We just, like... Got out of the house a lot. It was Lujo nice weather, so it was, you know, not raining but gray. Um, <laughs> blue sky days are pretty rare. So are you we, writing a song? We take what we can get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Blue sky days are pretty rare. Um, but it was a good vacation, um, I thought. Peter, you're always, yeah, yes. you're always on vacation. Yes, and it's <laughs> always wonderful. Slightly gray but nice. Yeah. Um, so this morning I did go to school and I had a student splashed me with his tears. It was so, oh, Kalian, so just like adorably pathetic. He was sad because, so different ages handle this better. The younger kids, when I do like a volunteer situation, I do choose everybody who wants to go gets to have a chance to do whatever thing we're doing. And then older kids, you know, there's not enough time, especially Chinese classes, even in kindergarten, the, the six-year-olds are like almost 40 kids in the class, so we just don't have time for everybody to go. And this was a kid in the middle class, maybe there are like four or five, four, I think, um, and he just was very upset that I wasn't choosing him. And then his teacher was telling him, because I, I come into the classroom as an elective, and they have their all-day teachers are with them as well, helping out. Um, and so he was crying because I wasn't choosing him, and she's like, but just raise your hand and sit nicely. She's choosing the kids who sit nicely. So then finally I like look at him, and I'm like, raise your hand. And so he did, and then I chose him, and he was just still like, okay. And then when he came up to, like, pick, do his thing, he, like, blinked and his tears splashed on me, which is the first time I think anybody else's tears have been on me. <laughs> it was weird. I've had other... Well, no one's vomited on me, so that's... that's I'm blessed in You're this life. You're moving up. 
Um, but yeah, I was not expecting tears, but it happened. What a happy ending. Happy tears? Happy tears for that kid. Um, but yeah, so that's how it's been. Um, anything else, Peter? No tears. No that's tears. good. Yeah, no tears at <laughs> home. <laughs> that's very nice. Let's go on then to conducting business. Our business this week, we have kind of two significant things. Number one, last week I said we were not on iTunes as a podcast, but we are, in fact, on iTunes, and I'll include the link below. You can you can always watch us here. You're here on YouTube, or maybe you're here on Stitcher, or maybe you're here on SoundCloud, and now you could be here on iTunes. I will link to all the ways you can find us, and you can, you can use your preferred method to listen to us every week uh, on your preferred device, so... That now includes iTunes, which is exciting. Move over, Mark Marin. Yeah, we're coming for you. Um, and the other significant piece of business this week is we've had three videos three. recently. Three in the past week, yeah. Um, hit over 200 fairly quickly in a couple days, 200 views. Um, Not three in general, but our last three Yeah, our last videos. three have gone over 200, more than 200 views within a couple of days, which is um, a new rate of change for us. We usually, we had been at, like, maybe we hit about 100 in a day. Yeah, on our, on our primary release. Some of our old ones, we didn't really do the really big promotion or anything, so yeah. they like might like be like 30 to 60 or so like yeah. that. But that's because we, I mean, didn't try to push it out to mm -hmm. any anywhere. But mostly they were hitting hopefully around 100 after about a week. Yeah. And these three guys, all three hit two within a couple of days, really. Yeah, which is, that's very exciting. And kind of in conjunction with that, overnight we got, so last week we were over 100 subscribers, and then overnight today we got seven new subscribers? Yeah, I think so. Which the pessimist in me immediately is like, they're bots! They're all bots! But, um, yeah, this is... To clarify, this is on Hello Foreigner, our China vlog, where we publish our short video work. Um, mm. So if you are subscribed to us here and do not follow our vlog, um, here here is what we uh, here is where we discuss the videos we make over on Hello Foreigner. So uh, check that out. Which actually is something kind of exciting because here, Hello Uncle Foreigner. Mm -hmm. is our original channel that we chopped up and dispersed into three channels. So that took us a year plus for us here at Uncle Foreigner to get to 113 subscribers. Right. And as of today, we hit 114 on our brand new four-month-old channel. We've surpassed ourselves, is what we're saying here. Yeah, yeah, it's very... It's a good day. It's nice. <laughs> and 100 may not be a whole heck of a lot to some people, but we got two channels at 100 and one almost at 20, so. Yeah. Yeah, the, the third channel we run is called Western Toilet, which is just, not just, it's music <laughs> music videos um, with original music by Peter. The music from our videos. Yeah. From the So primary. they're all kind of, all three channels are interrelated, if, if you are unfamiliar with our work. Visit them all. Visit them all. <laughs> You'll be... It's, it's a friendly place. Yeah, we're friendly. Let's go on to 
homeschool film school. Our topic this week is kind of recharging your creative batteries. There's a, a well-known, I don't know, I knew it, but there's a kind of a cycle to creativity where, where you're in production mode, you're making a lot of stuff, then you finish that project, and then you kind of, you're not producing work, but you're going out in the world and like being interested in things and getting inspired, and then, then something specific inspires you and you get back into a specific project. Um, which Usually is, in music, you, or probably in writing too, you you write your first book, your first album, you tell the whole world about how it felt growing up, and we all identify with that. And then you write your second album where you go out on the road and everyone yeah, yeah, it's a slump. Which is kind of an example of how that doesn't work out so well, because <laughs> um, no one actually cares what it's like to be a, a, a success, a touring musician. No, I think uh. people are invested in your success, but they don't want to hear about that. That steel horse that you ride. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and for us it's a little bit challenging because we are on a weekly cycle of creating videos, but I would say, for me personally, my creative and recharge pe period is not weekly. I would say, like, I have a couple weeks of, like, producing a lot of, a lot of ideas, and then a couple of weeks where I step back and I'm kind of more absorbing interesting things and processing them. Um, but we've kind of just developed a method of working that supports that, and, and that we can still put out a video every day. Every day? Every day, not every day. Every... Sometimes. Week. In that, I think... We could. We, don't, no, don't no, we, we cannot. <laughs> we cannot put out a video every day because part of what looks like an even level of creating all the time is like some weeks we're super busy and doing so many, filming so many things and writing so many things and then we write enough material that that can kind of last us, especially this past couple weeks. Um, we, we kind of had like a two weeks of like intense activity and then now Peter is still editing that but I'm kind of like gathering ideas again so I even though we're putting out videos I have time to kind of sit back and not um, which which really works well like again we've talked about it if, if 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 it's just one person working on let's say a YouTube channel or whatever your endeavor is um, it's not really, it's not very enviable, at least to my point of view. It's great to be able to like be your own boss and have no one artistically to stand in your way of, I'm writing a rock opera or whatever <laughs> that gets overblown. But um, that, that benefit of being able to, I'm working over here, I'm doing all this stuff while you come up with new ideas and then it switches again and you take all your stuff and put that onto film and then meanwhile I'm cleaning up the stuff that was done last week you're building up new stuff for next week so it, as partnership kind of thing yeah yeah so we beneficial. both can it's not coasting because the the recharge part is important um, but like we can each take a turn to to be less outwardly productive while the other is kind of still like continuing to move us forward um, which works out pretty well. I think it's what's, um, what keeps us on a on a weekly basis fairly comfortable. There's not. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I could do weekly if I was just working by myself. Right, and there's not, um, not like some kind of 
fallow area where we just have, what are we going to do for ideas? We, there's never an empty space. We're usually going like, well, we can't fit all these ideas into one week. So that's a huge benefit. <laughs> yeah, we have so many ideas. <laughs> we're, our heads are filled. <laughs> but part of that is, it was nice this vacation to get out um, and see people and go out. I actually met some potential new friends while we were just like walking around. Um, so like part of that is like, it's, it's great to be in the studio all day. It's great to be writing, 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 head down with the computer, but it's also very important to like unshackle your brain from whatever your media is and, and get out and actually talk to people. <laughs> well, the one big benefit that we've had from the past year or so while I've been recuperating and it's been, and you've been finding your, your legs, your legs for mm -hmm. uh, a new job uh, that we've been in the house for the better part of the last for 2018 just kind of pumping out ideas coming up with the workflow of the the whiteboard behind you all these different processes to which we can easily slot in our ideas and now the weather's nice again winter's over and it's we're finally ready to get back out there and rejuvenate all the ideas that we've been building up and preparing for for a long time. Yeah, because I mean, especially since the vlog is pretty personal, it's not it's not a one to one map on our life, but it is like the ideas come from our life, uh, very as much as we try very to fight specifically. The, so the we, word vlog, yeah, right? it is essentially a vlog, it is so. a vlog, and so we need to like live a life that we can then vlog about, um, which both Peter and I are somewhat homebody inclined, so. We do have to make that push of like, nope, you like your friends, go see them. Yeah. And if, if, we, if we're going to be successful in making art that is interesting, we should probably be interesting ourselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, that gets to what you were saying about the second album being about being on tour. Like, <laughs> nobody wants to hear videos or watch videos about like, what it's like to be in our studio making stuff. <laughs> if we start making actual fiction pieces about what it's like to make a vlog then like we're we are out of ideas yeah. those are those are prince's least successful albums yeah <laughs> um but yeah so you know go outside go talk to people go to go talk to people you don't like that can be actually very inspirational yeah um everybody is fodder for our christmas <laughs> that is kind of a worried I mean we've we've mentioned a couple times we're writing a bigger project that I really hope that people it is you know it's inspired by what's happened around us but I hope people don't look at it and be like hey is that me like no it's not <laughs> but it might be. Even, even if it's flattering even if it's well <laughs> I mean people I think people don't like to see fictionalized representations of themselves because it's weird yeah it's it's i think in general someone else's view of who you are is probably very different from your own view of who you are and that can be jarring even if it is complimentary that's just my guess yeah yeah know. so don't sign us up for a roast <laughs> yeah don't tell don't tell me what you think i'm like <laughs> i don't care <laughs> i don't care to know um but yeah so that's um 
that's you know take a break every once in a while from producing small flowers yeah and it's important to say this is one one last point of how how do you tell recharge from procrastination mm. and that's i don't i don't actually know i only know in retrospect like oh i wasn't starting on something because it wasn't ready versus like i wasn't starting on something i guess it's Fear maybe is a way mm -hmm. to tell. Are you scared to get started, or you just don't have anything to say? It's um, a, I think probably a mixture of a bunch of those things. Uh, when you have part of our situation of moving here and giving us the time away from jobs that are, when your professional job is doing graphic design or writing, then that's what you do as a day job. So you get home and you're like, well, am I going to write some more? Mm, maybe not so much. Also, what do I have to say? I just wrote, what am I going to write a, a story about being a graphic designer at a newspaper? Like, <laughs> right. How interesting is that? And then, yeah, you put in the, these other factors of like, well, I'm just tired, or do I not have anything to say, or is my paint box all askew and I don't know where all my tools are? Like what we were just saying about the last year has been really good and we figured out how do we make our house different rooms that are different studios where do we film outside where do we film inside where does the equipment go where once we have the uh, raw materials what folders do we put them in so that they can just correspond with our program so data doesn't get lost like all those things make it really hard to keep going as any kind of like you know process if you have to restart that every time it's really daunting oh yeah that that I, th I think you do need those structures in place and it can be it can be frustrating if you're like i wish i was doing something but instead i'm rearranging my living room to to set something up could be because um, even because but i think like a lot of a lot of our setup of the past year has been how do we make the process of making stuff as frictionless as possible and that's super important because then it is like it can be procrastination to reorganize the living room or it can be totally necessary to reorganize the living room or if the living room's ready to go your cameras are set up the lights are nearby then you don't have that excuse to not do it yeah it, i would say i mean look at any famous painter that has the the, the money to put it together to have some kind of assistant or intern or something like that. Mm -hmm. Rarely are are you or the ideal situation for most artists is to have somebody have all the paints ready for their palette, to have right. all their brushes clean, to have the station wiped down and ready to go so that when you're ready to walk in and hit the can your canvases are stretched. They're, everything is just ready for you to walk into the studio and go I must create now. <laughs> even even like guitarists, like you have yeah. a guitar in every room because you don't know when the inspiration is going to hit, so you just got to be ready to go. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess that that speaks to a different. If you could be working at any time, that the, the material needs to be ready because there is kind of stereotypically of writers the idea of the ritual that gets you ready for writing for the day and, and whether that's like sharpening your pencils if you write by hand which I don't know anybody who does that anymore <laughs> but there's probably someone 
um, or like putting your typewriter in the right place, which that is, I think like, mm. it's maybe a little hipster, but there, there mm -hmm. is like a thing about like having the right typewriter, having the right materials and, ha and just like creating, it shouldn't be a long ritual because then again, that's, that's Procrastinate. your procrastination, but there is like a ritual to, you know, I made my tea, I sit down at, at my desk, I, I, I'm ready to go. I think there is, um, probably everyone has, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of artists in all different kind of mediums that really want that five minutes, but then sometimes it can, it, it really gets lost in your gear. Guitarists are the worst at it because if you have all your amplifiers and your guitar pedals and maybe some recording equipment or something, mm -hmm. you sit down and you're like, you've got like five to 20 guitars or something and you're like, which guitar do I want to use? And then you know, which amp do I want to use? And then what kind of sound do I want to get out of it? And before you know it, you're like switching dials and then you're <laughs> like, well, maybe I, what that sound that I always wanted to get, let me go look it up online and find out how to get that. And now you're like surfing guitar channels. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's just choice overwhelmed. So I, yeah. I think... I, from a day-to-day -day perspective, yeah, like, set your life up so it's as frictionless as possible to get to work um, in terms of that kind of procrastinating getting started. But I, I'm kind of talking more about long-term procrastination. Like, there's been a couple periods this year where it's been, like, a couple days or weeks where I'm like, but I don't, I don't want to. And in retrospect, I've been able to see, especially, I mean... What validates that as a period of recharge versus just not working mm. is that after that I've been incredibly productive. Um, so maybe in the moment it is hard to tell of just like mm. I don't I don't want to. Um, but I think it is also knowing that about myself, I can give myself a break on those days where it's just it's not it's not coming today. I could push it and write something that I don't care about. Or I could just go out. I could go out and like get mm -hmm. interested in stuff. Um, right. Well, how much? How being that you, as a writer for yourself, and as a professional writer that has to churn out words every day at a newspaper, so you you know that like sometimes you just have to write because you have to write, and other times, well, finding that weird balance in between of like how much is. Am I refueling and, or how much is not even just procrastination, but like actually like, um, hitting us on a writer's block? <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> um, I, well, cause I remember like when I worked for the newspaper, people asking about writer's block and it just like, you don't have time to have writer's block. <laughs> and it is like. The discipline is there. You can you can create that discipline of like I have to write something. I have to get to work, and I'm gonna do it. And there's I think you know the popular imagination of writers is just like I mean Hemingway has done so much to damage the reputation <laughs> of being a writer of just like sitting around in a bar and being like, well, hold on, masterpiece. Um, but yeah, there. Um, if you you can create the discipline where you can get the work done, if you need to get the work done. But I would say it's maybe akin to 
being a graphic designer versus an artist. Like there's mm. there's in, there's inspiration and creativity in graphic design, but it is also commercial work that you're doing at someone else's behest. And so you know how to sit down and get that done, even if you're not feeling particularly inspired. Mm -hmm. And so writing writing copy for for somebody else is like you've given me the parameters. I've interviewed the people. I've done the research. I really just have to like put this in order. And if I if my heart's not in it, maybe it won't be as good as it could be. But it'll be it'll be good enough because I've developed that discipline and I have these skills to to do this work. Whereas if if for the work that you and I are doing, there's I don't have an editor assigning me anything, and I don't have I'm well I'm basically assigning myself, and it is like on days where. There's been a couple projects where, like, maybe they weren't fully baked or, you know, I didn't have the research done on what they needed to be. And I could sit down, and I did sit down and write out a, a full script of, of a specific idea. And then, like, it was finished. And we never filmed it because it just, like, mm. something about it wasn't clicking for us. And so the, that kind of experience of, like, writing the thing that like really in in my heart or wherever creativity comes from um if i'm feeling that resistance i guess that's the the experience i know i could push it and then we won't like it or i could take mm -hmm. a break and go outside and do things to stimulate and inspire me and then come back and do work that like we're really excited about and so I guess the, my, my answer for the question, is it procrastination or recharge? How can you tell the difference? Is really just experience and, mm. and hindsight because did you take a week off and then like the next three weeks you were insanely productive? That was a recharge. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely when you are, um, when you have uh, a work for hire situation, it's much easier to walk away from something that you, you you've been given assignment maybe you're half-hearted about it but you 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 put put everything you got into it you know it's due for let's say friday it's tuesday you put a bunch of work into it you hand it into your editor and they're just like this isn't working out okay did you try calling this person did you try it from this angle and you're like yeah i, I did let me try one more thing and then at the end if it doesn't work out there's another story waiting behind you to, to fill it in and you can kind of walk away and be like, well, I, had, I didn't really care if that got published or not because I really didn't care about the story. It was just an assignment. Whereas in with this situation, you can just kind of walk away because like, ah, I just get bored out of it. Like you're a child playing with toys and like when I'm done with that toy, it's like, yeah. whatever. And you move on to something that's more exciting and you kind of forget about it. Right. Well, that's that's the benefit of, like, no one no one has commissioned this work, so it really is, it's up to us. Like, are, do we want to do this? Then let's do this. If if either of us are feeling resistance or, like, that a, an idea isn't working, we don't have to pursue it. And that's hard. It's hard to abandon an idea that's not working, but sometimes I, I think... We can parlay this, parlay this later into one of our videos. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, oh yeah. And, but like I think sometimes when it's not working, it's just, it's not time yet. There have been ideas that like years later 
have come back around and like, oh, it wasn't the time for that then because I needed, you know, this whole extra stuff that's happened to me in the intervening years. And it can sound, I think artists are very superstitious because of this because it just mm -hmm. sounds like, ooh, ooh, Yeah, when was the magic that touched you? Yeah, yeah, or like talking about having, having a muse or like that you are not in control Whereas, like, if you're an accountant, you can be in control of, of accounting. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, a part of, of artistry is a certain amount of, of letting things flow freely. But if you let that go, you end up, like, losing a lot of stuff. Just, like, can float through your fingers and you can forget ideas. And that's why artists keep sketchbooks and notebooks and, and things to be like, well, I don't want to lose that, but I'm not ready for it now. So I, mean, I don't know how many notebooks you have by the bed, but yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that wooery that, that I, well, Elizabeth Gilbert has a really great book about writing and, and being creative. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's really good. She's the author of Eat, Pray, Love, um, and other, other works she's she's a very good writer um and she explains her theory which i think is kind of tongue-in-cheek that ideas themselves do exist separate from us out in the world and they come to you and it's a collaboration between you and the idea to get it out into the world and but that the idea very much is a separate entity um which i like i like the idea of um and and in a metaphorical way, I guess it's I don't have a better way of describing how that works. That's that sometimes you're forcing an idea, or sometimes you ignored an idea, so it leaves. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't think it's it's I don't think it's woo, but I think there it is. Well, I think it's what I think is it is related to how human psychology we have the illusion like where there's maybe a little homunculus in, in the driver's seat in our brain making all these decisions but we're actually like a collection of perceptions and unconscious thoughts that surface um so I, I think where accounting has its own separate rules so you can be accounting or not accounting Whereas, like, art making is more about, like, representing life, and life is kind of messy that way. Yeah. If that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think just being professional enough to know when to, where, if you know how to take something in a different direction, or just to leave it sit. Both of those are, are professional stances to get the best work. Yeah, yeah, and and so it's important to take that time to to not be working, um, yes. and and recharge. And on that note, let's move on to commentary. So we have a bunch of videos to talk about this week. Some new, some old. We're gonna start with some older videos. The first one being. The End of Summer? The End of Summer in Sichuan, China. Yeah, which ended up being the third in a three-part trilogy about summer last year. Um, and it's a good example of, of patterns emerging after the fact. 
and it was a it was a fun video to work on. It was it was a series of this was we were well into like I would just take my phone out and as inspiration struck I would like turn it on, give myself a little selfie view and and just tell a little anecdote that had just occurred to me. Um like I just got a haircut and then so I went outside and talked about the experience of that haircut. Uh the one of the other stories is about baby baby hair, how it can be like some babies just have such luscious hair and it like they're babies so it, it looks a little incongruous. And I like that one because that was it's not quite animation, it's more of like a, a moving illustration. Because mm -hmm. um, it's hard. The challenge of vlogging, and the challenge of documentary too, is that it's, it's sometimes hard to catch these moments that we see all the time, but if you're trying to catch them on film, it's very hard. To, especially babies, it's like, I've got to... Yeah, they're so fast. <laughs> they're so fast. But, like, I had this idea, we want to put this video out next week. I have one week to catch a baby on film that has gorgeous hair. But part of why that's special is because it's uh, rare. Like, babies often just have baby hair. <laughs> um, and so, we, I didn't. I didn't catch a baby that had that kind of hair that I was talking about. So, Peter was like, we do need some visual representation of this. And so, he just drew it. Yeah, without getting too far back into um, YouTube proprietary issues, I mean, that's part of what the big problem is, is that where where do you find this material and where most people get in trouble is because they steal it from somewhere else. But, like, you do need something uh, to, to, to illustrate what... Uh, I mean, it's a video medium. If it, if it yeah. was a podcast, then I can rely completely on your words, but... If, since we're watching a video, just watching your face telling me about a baby's hair, it's sort of like, eh, why do I bother even looking at this? Yeah, yeah, you're telling me about something that sounds really great to look at, but then not showing it to me. Mm. Um, so I think it was, it worked out, you know. Every, yeah, you, everyone should should be part of a collaboration where one of you can draw. <laughs> <laughs> Drawing helps, graphic design helps, when a camera fails. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that was, oh, and then we opened it with, um, here in China, M&M's introduced a Sichuan peppercorn flavored M&M, which I, I asked later in the United States, if you've seen it and I'm wrong, that's okay. Tell, tell me in the comments, I guess, but that. That this was a China-only flavor, and not just not just spicy. Yes, not not, hot, not just hot pepper because they're that's that's Mexican. That's yeah. That's it's in a lot. It's of It's a very specific Sichuan spice. The pringly tickle of the yeah, the and pepper it, like um. So the I face numbing. I saw face it, numbing chocolate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw it at the grocery store and I was like, we've got to try these. And it was Here. Snickers too has a as a Sichuan yeah. flavor. I guess. Those are probably the same company, Eminem's and Stingers. But anyway, it was like, it was something that was fun to try, but it was definitely, and it was like, I think when you get those combinations of spicy and sweet, or sweet and sour, or, you know, those, those, those oppositions, or like sh sugar and salt, they do give you a taste sensation that 
you are like, I'll have more of that. Mm, and so we, corn. Yeah, we ate the whole M&M's, but like I would never buy that again. It wasn't actually tasty. It was more just like, this is so weird. So we wanted to share that with you in a... Um, in a corner kind of way. Yeah, yeah, I guess, and that that is where like I could have just told you that as as the mm. vlog story, but we decided instead to to try this little music piece. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the things that we 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 found is it's difficult as as artists is we we don't want to just blatantly tell you information. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to hold hands and, and, and say, here's here's a treat and here's what it's like. It's more of like an interpretation and how, how does that translate? It's probably like, oh, well, I just watched a weird video. But <laughs> for, for us, it's the equivalent of us just telling you like that it's it's a Snickers bar, but it's tingly in a weird, spicy way. Yeah, we're not, um, a, we're not a candy vlog. We don't yeah. need to get into it. <laughs> And so we we did sing. I sang the the fanfare. little piece of music, which I don't know the name of what that's called. Is it a fanfare for the common man? Is that fanfare for the common man? I thought so. It might be. Um, so I I sang the the notes to that, and Peter mixed it all together to create um, that um, fanfare. That fa- that fanfare. <laughs> um, and again, it, it is um, you have. You got making your own supplementary materials instead of like downloading someone. It wouldn't have been to use someone else's recording of that piece of music would have not been our work. And it also like the joke. It was not part of what we were doing. Yeah, yeah, and also I mean that it's a good example of I think that was one of the first things that we started to use your voice. Yeah. Incorporated into music. Yeah. And I mean we. I have a, a general rule of like I don't want to weird Al any kind of music. Um, not that I'm not a fan of Weird Al, but uh, he's but, we already have Weird Al. Yeah, yeah, we don't need Weird Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the just doing a parody of music is not fun for me as a musician, as a composer. But if you do something yourself to make it your own kind of satire or tribute to it or something like that, then that at least makes it an interesting process for us. That in particular was like, let's start working on vocals. So, cause that's a whole other problem of like, where do we set up? Do we set up a, a, a room that we can keep the, 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 the sound that, so it doesn't echo in right ways? Like how can I bring that into the computer? Do we go straight into the computer? What kind of microphones do we, so now there's a whole nother interesting problem to go through rather than just doink somebody else's music and be like, you know, it's fanfare for the common man. Like, I'm sure that must be uh, a free license, uh, or what do we call it? Uh, Fair use. Fair use of uh, somewhere. (laughs) Like, but... uh, Yeah, I don't know if it's old enough, actually. Oh, maybe not. But rather, making it ourselves actually makes it something interesting to put together rather than just being like, that's not even that funny, funny of a joke. Like to It's not really a joke. It's more of like the atmosphere of, of yeah. the piece. So why would you risk any possibility of 
a record company or a, an orchestra yeah. coming back and saying like, you know that three seconds of music you use? Like, <laughs> oh, we'll just make it ourselves, but with our own little flair. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that was the summer, the end of the summer, mm. as summer begins. And then our next one is Power in China. Which, understanding the mystery of power in China. Yeah, which is literally about the electricity bill, um, <laughs> is, is the story there. And that's, that's a pretty solid season two piece. We've got vlogs, we've got interstitials, we've got, you know, a whole video collage of, of ideas. Um, what was significant about this piece is I did go out with some friends to a temple out in the countryside, and they, they, it was a beautiful nice day um and i wanted to film some of it and previously when we'd done filming of like vacation stuff or travel stuff it is very like home movie put it together put it to some music kind of stuff and this one i really tried to get people talking on film so maybe there's not a specific narrative to the piece but that you do get to hear, I don't want to do a voiceover later of like, this is Fa Wang Temple, and this is the entryway, and here's the monks, and we ate this, and blah, blah, blah. And so instead I wanted to capture kind of in the moment what we were seeing, and kind of give you that maybe explanation of what's happening, but more, it was more about being in the moment of experiencing touring this temple. Which was definitely in editing it together was fun for me because it really was the closest thing maybe that we've done to like doing a straight up like documentary kind of like feel but finding the story within it like you had already put together pieces out there in the field that were the the, the narrative of a story so um, and it's not it's only a you know a minute long or something like mm -hmm. that but I, I as one of our outdoor pieces, I feel like it's maybe one of our strongest. I yeah, mean, it's. It, I think it's pretty darn funny too, but <laughs> it's also really beautiful and and it looks great, sounds great, and it's all on your dinky little phone. Yeah, and I think, if I'm remembering correctly, so you and I, I so I shot that footage with the idea in mind that I was going to try to get diegetic conversation on film and so I would ask my companions questions so that I could catch them talking on film um, and then you and I sat down together and mapped out a couple of interesting beats like um, or moments of, of not really a story but of an experience <laughs> what were the most important moments yeah 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 and then you kind of ran with that and, and shaped this so I, I think you had a lot of control over the end product, but we did talk about it together. Whereas in the past, you kind of, and not, 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 not as a dig, but like, I wasn't interested in that. And so you just kind of shaped whatever narrative out of footage you wanted to. And then afterwards, I would write a voiceover to it. Um, I would which, say that You know, that was successful too, but it is kind of more interesting, I think. I would say, like, in, in terms of traditional, like, uh, reality TV, that's maybe the closest thing we've worked to that would be, like, um, like a TV crew of, 
you were kind of the journalist mm -hmm. out in the field, and I'm the editor, storyteller, teller that pieces it all together. Like I think that has a very TV aspect of like um, the person in the field is rarely, you know, your Michael Moore who comes back and then like writes it all together and edits it all back together. Mm -hmm. But you actually were out there. I'm going to a place. I'm going to talk about this place with other people. I'm going to interview people. Then you brought the bulk of it back, and we discussed what can we actually do with that as yeah. a presentation to edit. I, I think it was more collaborative than we had been in the past. Which I mean, we were we're good collaborators, but it was more like working alongside each other. And now this was actually like there was an integration period where you and I together made some decisions, and then. We did our things separately. Right. Yeah, our usual collaborative is sort of come together at the beginning of an idea, talk about roughly what we're thinking, and then you go out and gather s stuff together, and then we like bring it back together. So it's sort of like handing off of like, I got this information for you. Okay, here's what I'll do with that information, and then I show it back to you, and that this is what I did with it, and you think, yeah. well, what can I do with it? This was like definitely more of like, how do we tell the story? together yeah rather than yeah, just like yeah. handing it off from department to department right <laughs> yeah um and i feel like that's that's just that was the standout segment of that definitely video um the rest of the video is good it just is like we were good we were good at what we were doing and we did more of it <laughs> mm. yeah i would say like this is the the period where we were really looking into to expanding what 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 we're kind of starting to refer to is like Sesame Street for an adult mindset of like we've got little segments, little segments, little segments. There's maybe roughly a theme. Mm -hmm. Maybe this episode was brought to you by the letter Q, but right. that doesn't mean like we're not going to go down to Mr. Hooper's for a little while and see what that's about and then come back. So we're, we're experimenting with, which makes it a total pain in the butt for doing SEO, but, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, from an artistic standpoint, we were really figuring out, like, these are an episode beats that were really satisfying to put together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the next video I want to talk about is One Year in Li Jiang, which we just put out yes yesterday. Last night? Last night. It's not even 24 hours And this one actually is a return to actually I don't I didn't do anything for this video mm -hmm. I filmed it and originally and I appear in it but Peter um, was the one who put all this footage together and put the music to it um, so it was from 2015 so it's quite old the original footage was from 2015 and we have been kicking so we moved to Lijiang which is a small city town really one province over one province over um and very small city, but very small city, and it was a beautiful place to live, um, but we didn't really like it there, so we moved back to where we are now, Luzhou. Um, and for years, we've kind of been talking about like what kind of story do we want to tell about it. And while we were there, we just like kind of stopped blogging. We were blogging on hellouncleforeigner.com before we were vlogging on YouTube, mm -hmm. um, and we we just had stopped 
blogging. We lost our way. We and were busy with things. Yeah, we just... Perpetually sick. I think what we decided is we don't really have a story to tell about. Like, we moved there and we moved back. It was, it was what it was. And so Peter finally... We even last year, like the whole year, we're like, well, what do we do with this footage? Maybe we can approach it like this. At one point, it was going to be a series of five mm. podcast discussions about mm. different aspects of living there. Because we have about a couple hours of good footage. Yeah, and it's a beautiful place. You can yeah. see in the video, it's just like, it's, there's this huge mountain range that the Himalayas that starts yeah. <laughs> right there overlooking the town and it, the air is just so crisp oh, and Yeah, overlooking beautiful. our apartment. Like it, it, yeah. It's just an awe-inspiring place to be. But to live there, it's sort of, I mean, it's a tourist town. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's more popular with Chinese tourists than, than foreign tourists. But foreign tourists are starting to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, but it is like you go there because you're going to go up the mountain or you go there because they have this fake old town that is um, pretty impressive even though it's fake. But that's mm -hmm. that's China. <laughs> um, but it's our, the best old town that we've been to. Yeah, it's <laughs> a beautiful place to live. But our actual experience of living there wasn't, you know, it was just, it was fine. You just kind of get used to it. You, you, you become like the, 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 the carnival rat that works in the place right, like, right. Where you're, you, you know the back streets and you're zip zapping to get away from the crowds to get from point A to point B because you got to work here and you got to eat lunch over there and you know the back road around the back of the mountain and you know which days to go up the the mountain or down the mountain or mm -hmm. so you learn all these like little like running around behind the scenes things that I don't know, like, I mean, if you worked at Disneyland or something like that, you probably might recognize that and maybe enjoy that, but, like, for us, it was kind of, like, felt like sort of skirting in the shadows of around tourists. Yeah, and, and so, you know, it was just, it was, we lived there for actually 10 months, mm. <laughs> and then we decided not to live there anymore, and so we just, we didn't really, that's not a story, actually. Yeah, we right. lived in a place that was beautiful. Right, we lived in a place, and then we didn't want to live there, and so... Basically, we, what we got is ten minutes of a really beautiful postcard. Yeah, this is so. This is our example of like we tried to start work on this project several times in in the four years since it happened, and even during. Mm -hmm. um, and it just like it didn't come. There's definitely aspects of living there and characters we met that are probably going to be showing up in in writing that I do. But and as, we have every as, intention to go back there as tourists. Yeah, as as far as, like, do we want to do a project about living in Lijiang for that year? The answer turned out to be no. <laughs> so Peter did, but like like we're saying, the, the footage is gorgeous, and we do have, similarly to the temple, we have some good, like, dialogue that happened in, in, in video that we captured. And so Peter just put together this 10-minute video collage of a place that is really beautiful and rains a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah in that sense it is kind of like florida and that part of the day the sun comes out and it's beautiful and warm mm -hmm. and another part of it rains so it's always you're you're running in and outdoors of like it's beautiful get inside get, it's beautiful. Yeah, get inside. Yeah. <laughs> which was hard for doing laundry because <laughs> we, don't, we don't have dryers we haven't had a dryer anywhere we live. You always hang your clothes outside, so it is like you need a day that it doesn't rain at all, or your clothes don't dry. Yeah, clothes are always wet. Yeah. 
But so, yeah, so we turned that into two. And it makes for a nice, um, with all that material, I mean, part of going back to it was like, when, when you have a, a situation, a story, a part of your life that is like, a lot of it was great, but a lot of it just was not really having much fun at all. Like, I, I don't really want to, maybe that's, that's, you know, putting on your Facebook life of like, well, what was, what was the pain? What was the awful things that happened to you? Like, I don't really want to go back there. I don't really care. And it wasn't like awful. It it wasn't awful in any kind of interesting way. Yeah, like no one fell off a mountain or was taken away by an eagle to it. It was just like, (laughs) okay, this is a normal life. Yeah, it's just irritating. I I don't, I'm not having fun. Yeah. 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 But, um. So to finally put together that material and look at it now is, is like, ah, that was pretty cool. I'm glad we did that. Yeah, it was nice definitely, job. Let's move on. in retrospect, it's like, at the time, sometimes it felt like we had made a mistake of moving from a place we really liked to a place we didn't like, but in retrospect, it is a valuable, interesting experience that we had. Um, and now it's all on film for you to watch. Yeah. And we can close the book on it. <laughs> we don't have to keep every couple of months. So what are we going to do about the Lejong footage? Mm-hmm. No, it's done. Until we go back and visit as a tourist and we can make a tourist video. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then the other new video we put out this week was the environment. Mm -hmm. Why I care about the environment. Yeah. And so this, I kind of took that in a broader sense of like, yes, the ecosystem and the pollution that we're, we're currently pumping out into the environment, but also like just being where you are and the atmosphere around you. Um, and so that, that was kind of the loose thread that connected all these segments. Um, most of them. Yeah. And so this is part of, this is part two of three videos that we kind of put together starting two weeks ago, we started amassing footage and then we were kind of mixing this together with kind of some scraggles from the fall that were leftover Mm -hmm. segments and interviews that... And some new We're footage. very proud of, and we're ready to finish that project and then continue. One thing that we found out by discovering the giraffe is it's a good way to to um, to push things together because the giraffe can narrate what's going on. It's a recognizable presence. Yeah. Throughout. So for our Sesame Street idea of having stories kind of from all over the place, from two years ago, from eight years ago, from two weeks ago, from two minutes ago, we can assemble everything in the studio thanks to the giraffe, and we can take all these different parts, and that's what these three videos are doing. The giraffe is basically sweeping up the past couple of years into a nice little pile, and then we can move forward with it. Yeah. uh, and I think we said this last week too, but that, not that the videos going forward are going to be significantly different, mm. but it is like some of these, like the bug and the Chinese characters or the rain boots segments are stuff I filmed in like October, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, we just want to finish that series and then we can have a new series of things that we mm-hmm. are going to start rolling out in a couple weeks. Um, so it's not... It's not that we're going to make any kind of major change, but it's just it's like we're taking a look around and seeing, like, what what did we, f- for, not forget, but what haven't mm. we gotten the chance to put out yet 
let's make sure that also gets yeah not like that it's it's any any of its junk that's left over but um more so that let's finish these ideas yeah and yeah. that will make it um a lot easier i mean there there already is stuff that we've already filmed that mm-hmm. are for the videos coming after that yeah but yeah then it's predominantly brand new presentations of things i mean we still have old stuff that is laying around that are like funny little bits and pieces for interstitials mm-hmm. and stuff but for the most part like this is us finishing a year's worth of work yeah and yeah three or four years worth of work <laughs> and eight years worth of work and then continuing on in that style but with uh adding getting the chance to add more fresh ideas mm. to it um so i want to talk about a couple of segments so like we're saying we have these interviews with some of our Chinese friends that were done over the fall, and so these are our chance to to find like the last best tidbits that we have um, and include them. And it was it was nice to get to talk to our friends. Our friends, I I I guess somewhat introverted, and so I always feel like when I ask people, "Do you want to be interviewed for camera?" Like my expectations will be like. And they're always Who like... Would agree to this. Yeah, yeah. They're always like, of course. I'm so excited. What's you, your, what's yeah, your as channel? As a quick aside, did you ever feel working professionally as a journalist and having to call famous people um, at, through their publicists? Like, I hope I'm not bothering Mike Patton or... No, actually. <laughs> I took it as a given that they'd want to be in the paper. Or even, like, if I was trying to get quotes from regular people. I don't know why. I Well, I do know why. And mm. it's, it's my own insecurities. In that, I was representing the newspaper. So I was like, everybody wants to be in the newspaper. Even that, I do know, like, stars complain a lot. Musicians and artists and actors complain a lot about, like, inane, insipid interviews that they have to sit through. But... The, that okay, I never, I never felt like I was impinging on anyone, and I also felt like I tried my best to do a good interview. Whereas for our project, I am like, oh, I'm bothering someone for something that is for me. Mm, you're asking for a favor that they're not actually going to get. Right, I'm asking for a favor rather than like doing a job. Mm. Well, then they're they're actually getting something out of it by getting promotional work for whatever project that they're on like they're ready yeah to there's talk a transaction there whereas like our friend jesse's just a med school student she's not yeah i was she's gonna, not selling any albums that you now right. know about i was just going to lunch with my friend and then all of a sudden I, she wants me to talk about my childhood right <laughs> but people do love to talk about themselves well so in this day and age i mean out. yeah everyone um I mean, if you don't have a therapist, you have a YouTube channel. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or maybe both. Yeah. So these that's these interviews. Um, and, you know, we're hoping to continue that. Um, yeah. Look, even though I still feel like I'm imposing <laughs> on people. Going back to what you were saying before of us, we're getting out now. We're, uh, a lot of what we're doing is is finishing all the stuff that we've had before. And now we've we've got all of our process together in the studio, and now the weather's nice, and let's get out there and let's talk to people, let's get around Lujoe, let's hopefully show you, the viewer, more about what our city's about and who are the people that live there. Um, so that's our one of our primary goals going forward is how do we 
really get ourselves out there and out of the studio. Yeah. Yeah, and then, so that that's, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> so another piece from Environment is the vlog piece. We have a return of the talking head to the camera. Um, a street address is not enough. And as you'll, you can hear, I mentioned that, oh, it's 2018, because I did film it in 2018, but at a point where, I think it was just before we moved the channel, so there was, there had not, after that, been, I recorded it, we moved the channel, and then we weren't vlogging anymore. So it, this piece just never got placed anywhere because there hadn't been an opportunity. And I do feel like this is a good example of environment as the air, the world around you. Um, so I, I liked how it fit in with, with the rest of what we were doing. And it, it feels, I think it's, it's, it opens it up of like, Especially the giraffe being such a nervous energy to have a story then that's outside and far more relaxed and um, alongside these kind of weird or esoteric thoughts, a straightforward, I'm always getting lost and, and the street address is not ever a help. Yeah, and um, you've lived here for umpteen years and you have a pretty good understanding of the language and yet still... You're wandering around a decent amount of time going like, I don't know what I'm supposed yeah, to be doing. Yeah. And so as as I'm trying to hone into these weirder, more existential thoughts as the giraffe, it is also, we have other tools in our toolbox and we can tell these stories alongside each other and they kind of go well together, I think. That's the beauty of existential thoughts. <laughs> that they, they kind of go with everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to mix. And then also, oh, care for your garments. So part of mm. part of on the ecological side of things, I recently read an article, and this article comes out every so often about how fast fashion is terrible for the planet. That that textile manufacturer, historically, women's lives, like way, 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 way back before looms were invented women's lives were spent mostly making textiles is, is a historical fact. and But now that we have machinery to do that, the cost of that labor and the impact it has on the planet is like, we don't, we're not aware of it. And so specifically buying new clothes every six months and throwing out old clothes that you haven't worn for that long is just terrible for the planet. And so I've been thinking a lot about that and that, that, that thought pops up in various segments, but this one care for your garments is because I did just do this to a bunch of my t-shirts. So I don't know, ladies, is this a problem for you? <laughs> <laughs> like I wear deodorant and then the deodorant soaks into the shirt and you get, it's not a sweat stain. It's the actual deodorant has like soaked in and discolored the armpit of your shirt. And it's, super gross. I mean, it's not super gross. It's just like, it doesn't look neat. And I, it didn't occur to me like, you can you can get this out. It's not stained. It's just soaked in and you can unsoak it. And so I looked up online how to do this and then I, it, I did it. <laughs> and it was like, oh, now these t-shirts don't feel like garbage t-shirts anymore. They look you know, pretty good. They're not as perfect as new, but they don't look like I'm embarrassed to wear them in public anymore. Or have to cut off the sleeve. 
Um, and so there was, that was like the practical thinking behind that. But then as a segment, care for your garments, it's, it's kind of this manic, fast paced, like internet, internet, internet tip. Here's a commercial for how to do a thing. Oh, also, so there's, there's that this tip actually works is, is part of it. And then I have gone through a series of researching things on the internet that didn't like actually work in real life. One of them being the vacuum saga that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, if you vacuum up, whatever my baking soda is here that I'm buying is too small grained for my vacuum to hold. So it just explodes it out into the room. Um, so don't put baking soda on your mattress and vacuum it. But that was a tip I had learned online. And also, a few months ago there was a meme about like you're using your can opener wrong. Like usually this is the can and you have the can opener going this way. And it was like, no, it's meant to go this way. So I tried it and it just like totally destroyed the can <laughs> lid. So like I feel like there's a lot of information on the inter internet that is very... Like, oh, here's the counterfactual to something we've all accepted mm -hmm. as received wisdom. What a meme! And the, like, no, it's not true. Actually, the... Five the, hacks to mess your crap up. Yeah. <laughs> Common wisdom is usually correct because that's, you know, was that was what worked. Um, so anyway, that, I found information online that was like a true hack that actually worked. I wanted to, that, that, like, that excited me. <laughs> but then... The, the actual format of telling this in, like, uh, it came to me, and this is something I'm, like, trying to be open to, because I know how to sit down and write a script, write a narrative, right? So you start here, you end here. But I've been also trying to accept ideas and be open to ideas and save those ideas of that just come to me with that are more imagery than words if that makes any sense. And that it does usually happens when I just wake up or if I'm like walking somewhere, I'll start like having these ideas that I feel like if I let them go and don't write them down, that they'll be gone and that's fine. Um, but I'm, instead of letting them go, I'm writing them down and then pursuing them. Um, which I guess is, like, how art works. <laughs> but, like, it's more that these these thoughts come to me unbidden rather than, like, writing... I can't explain what the difference is, but, like, that there's a logical reason why I'm interested in writing about this thing. Because, like, the dance segments came to me that way, too, of, like, I just woke up thinking about, like, if I'm dancing in the rain and telling kind of melancholy stories. Um, and I could have not done that, and then they wouldn't have existed. Would you say that, that some of that is a more natural process than actually coming up with a story that you have to go research? More natural and, I mean, that it feels intuitive rather than logical. Right, it, it's something something that's actually coming straight from you rather than like, I have to go check this out, does this work this way, does... How, how, you know, uh, the, the process of putting it together is something that I'm going to have to study and work on as opposed to, like, 
Um, I mean, if I'm going to, if I've decided I want to paint a barn, then I have the choice of I'm either going to pack up all my gear and go out to the field and find a barn that's suitable for what I like, as opposed to like, I'm just going to paint a barn, I don't care what it looks like, and maybe it's a cube. You mean make a painting of a barn? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not make an actual barn. Actual painting the barn. <laughs> um, yes, I think it is. It is more of an interpretation than it is a practical like how to barn. I'm yeah, going to, this is yeah. How barn it makes it me is feel. definitely. And like we were saying the other day, I feel comfortable pushing into these experiments of, of like, I don't know, I didn't at any point know how it was going to turn out, and I don't know, like, I like how it turned out, but I'm not even sure that it matches my, what my original thought mm. was, but that I feel comfortable doing these more experimental pieces because we do have such a framework, and I am very certain in, like, what a giraffe thought should be mm -hmm. um and so it, that that then like if i have these i i guess it's imagery and i'm not a very visual person that like holding on to these images and trying to to recreate them in the real world is very feels very different for me than like writing down an idea and then saying it hmm. well Do you know I, what I, I mean? would, certainly with with that piece in particular with the garments is something that you had a vision for, mm -hmm. you just didn't know visually how to represent it. So you were, in a sense, as me as the technician of how do we actually capture that information, you were directing me of like, no, I need it a little bit more like this. No, I need it more like this. I need this angle. I, when I did the first cut of it, it was like two minutes long. And you're like, whoa, that is way too long. It's like a 30-second piece. Yeah. So, like, you were giving me the direction of what it was, even if you couldn't actually, like, sit down and sketch for me, like, I need the camera here, I need this kind of light, let's do it this time of day. You gave me all the factors of this is the information I need to get through, and then you're using my skill of, like, oh, then if, if you need that, then you put a camera here. All right, that looks good. All right, then we need a light here, and let's do a segment during the day and a segment during the night. So you're directing those ideas that I'm like just trying to facilitate in a technical standpoint to get it, get it across. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's maybe one of the first times, or not, we've done on smaller scale, I mean this is 30 second piece, but <laughs> we've done a little bit of like, I have an idea, I don't know how to make it look like what I think it should look like. Mm -hmm. How do we make it look like this? And then you come up with that that aspect of things. Right. But it, it does segment is a good example of like when maybe our first run through of trying to do that. Yeah, yeah. The bug was very much, and the bug was another idea that I just woke up and was like, "This is what this is an idea." Mm -hmm. um, so it's. I think. I guess it, it, it must be tapping into my subconscious more than my my logical conscious brain driving the train, um, and it's exciting and it is like. I don't know if it's good, but I, th I like it. It was, it was fun to make. And like you, you said, like, is this a parody of how-tos? Is this itself a, a stylized how-to? And the answer is, I don't know, and I'm kind of okay with that. And so it is, and again, like, having, 
such a, a foundation of structure and knowing that like I can plug in these weirder ideas to something that already works and is already established. Really, I have this feeling of freedom mm-hmm. to 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 do stuff that um, where I'm not sure exactly what will end. Right. Well, what, what you gave me was something that was my interest in it. Is it's not necessarily satire mm-hmm. because you actually are giving a real tip of this. This works. You. Proof yeah, the, the joy of that it worked is is part of my inspiration <laughs> right. for it. But by giving it to me, I was able to look at it as like, yeah, we all click on YouTube for uh, how do I get a certain thing done, and I got to sit through fifteen minutes of, of whatever it is. Of now I'm gonna here's a story of how why I used to buy T-shirts and now I have 10 t-shirts and some of them are like, would you just show me the vinegar and the baking soda together? (laughs) And so the more that you were like, cut it down, cut it down, cut it down. I'm like, this is actually a great commentary of like, if all YouTube clips of how to do something was 30 seconds of like, (laughs) get a stain out, bam, over. And I I don't know that that was ever consciously part of what I thought I was doing. But that's how I interpret it. So there's different levels that what's coming out of you is a, a an idea that is now because I can show you I this one I walked to school and like I was thinking about it and then I scribbled this down on a piece of paper can you see Hold that? Up a little bit yeah nope down there you go um so it was just these five panels of like I want to see I want to see a t-shirt I want to see baking soda and <laughs> vinegar I want to see and then I want to see the clean t-shirt and it was like Cut to a man with a cigar walking yeah. <laughs> across the street at 12. <laughs> that, like, I think some of the direction I gave you when I was like, it needs to be way shorter, is that it's a how-to for maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, that it should be super deranged and overwhelming. And I think, um, I don't know, it's a weird piece, and I, I'm, I'm really excited to make stuff like that. Because it is also, in terms of, like, what is YouTube for... Um, I don't feel like what we have to be producing is TV-ready work. Even though, I, I won't hide it, if we got a television show, I would love that. Mm-hmm. But for YouTube, it is about these weird experiments. Yeah, it's a workshop. These, yeah, it's, it's, it's workshop a, is the perfect The best word. place for it. Um, it's a place to, to hone your ideas to hopefully move. I mean, that's what we're using it for. Hopefully we can move these ideas into a bigger format so more people can see them. But in the meantime, we're going to play. Because not everybody reacts to that work in that way. Some people are expecting this to be like a fully realized piece of work. And so then they're like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, like, like, well, we're we're trying something. Why would you use that kind of vinegar? Yeah. Um, but I can't control the audience reaction, so I don't. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about is our dramatic scene, a visit to the doctor, or pharmacy something or other. Um, it's, it's true, true life. Um, I wanted to talk about what it's like to go to the doctor, but in kind of a sitcom way rather than a like actual we do act, have a how to go to a Chinese clinic video that is much more like 
I went to a Chinese clinic. Here's what the inside of a Chinese clinic looks like. Here's what the doctor usually does, and here's the medicine she gives me. Um, where and and in China, you can go to your neighborhood clinic for like a cold or or something minor, and they'll give you it's prescription or non-prescription drugs. Um, and then you just go to the. There's not doctors' offices. You just go to the hospital. That's where all the doctors work. So even just a minor, minor, but more than the clinic can handle, um, you go to the hospital and, and go see a doctor there. Um, that's just the way it works. And so we kind of, this, this, we talked about this a little bit last week with the breakfast food. Um, this was part of a series in February that I was writing that Peter and I were going to dramatize aspects of Chinese life with an eye towards giving it real story structure and trying to have some sort of stake in, involved. Mm, without actually just us vlogging the story of here, here's how you go to the pharmacy. Yeah. We thought, like, let's, well, let's, let's work on our chops of, I mean, neither of us are trying to be actors, but we don't have actors, so we'll play the parts, but let's try to write and direct pieces that can actually tell this information in a creative way that right, we, we can right. bolster our, our, our muscles of, of writing interesting pieces, yeah. but maybe be a little bit functional in the way of a China vlog. Yeah, and as I said last week, they kind of came out a little bit um, learning, learning English TV. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, and I'm proud of this work, and that this is an experiment that taught us a lot in how it didn't work. And part of what didn't work about it is we are replacing the vlog where I'm talking directly to camera with now I'm talking to Peter, but it's still a tell-don't-show situation. It's like we're not at the hospital. We don't see me do these things. It still is only an info dump. Mm -hmm. um, like exposition in like a yeah, a, a, yeah, yeah. A soap opera. Yeah, I like went to a intru place. <laughs> introducing a character of like, but you've been in a coma for ten years. <laughs> yeah. This is your grown-up daughter who we've never met before, and just like giving you all this information in a clunky way that um, is only slightly more exciting than <laughs> just telling you. <laughs> and and we knew this going in, and so part of what we tried to do, especially with this one, was like jazz up the language of the piece, and because. Um, vlog happens this way, I'm telling you, not showing you, and stand-up comedy happens this way, but so the joy and the, the funniness of stand-up comedy lives in the language they use to tell you these stories, because storytelling itself is not dead, but we were trying to use our resources for storytelling and take advantage of the fact that we're using a visual medium to tell these stories. But stand-up is not, like, usually you just go see stand-up at a club, and so that's that's the presentation on TV, and they always, or they, not always, but they, there have been attempts to, like, especially I feel like in the late 90s or early 2000s of, like, introducing these little dramatic scenes in between stand-up bits, Margaret Cho has a special where they do that, and it, oh right, right, like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't quite work. Mm. So it is like if I'm so if I'm directly addressing you as the audience, it's more acceptable to have 
this telling a story, but if I'm addressing Peter, it doesn't quite work to still just be telling a story, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a stage device, too. Like, Tom Waits' movie, Big Time, was mm. like that, of like, the, there'd be a little stand-up set pieces in between. And I guess Prince did it, too. Like, mm-hmm. So it's a, music and stand-up comedy have a lot in common. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it is a really tough thing to put together. At any time that you're on stage mm-hmm. and you are whatever, put on some kind of, whether you've got a red jacket like Eddie Murphy or, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a crazy hairdo like Robert Smith or something, there's always, like, that guy should be a movie star. That guy should be a guitarist. That should be in a mo- uh, and you know st- doing stand up or whatever. Yeah. They're kind of funny. But so that live live performance has a different job to do than a filmic. Yeah, so it never really quite jives the way that. Yeah, and but so this one we did try. Um, I wrote an outline of the arc of the story, and if if you you can notice that there, like I tried to to actually structure this anecdote. Um, and then Peter and I went together to through it to like punch up different aspects of what language I was going to use. And this one was pretty improvised. Whereas last week's breakfast cereal one was like line, 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 line. It was all written. This one was pretty heavily structured but improvised and like hit these specific notes and used these, like the imagery of a fleshy game of checkers, which I don't... I like it's funny, but I don't know if it totally works. Weird. It's weird, and so and I uh, by criticizing it, I don't mean to put it down at all. It is it's just like this is a thing that we learned a ton by doing, mm-hmm. and it, the a part of what we learned is is what didn't work, <laughs> um, which is always valuable. And what I do like about it is I like starting to have you be in the film. Mm-hmm. And the actual filming itself, like we we sat in our empty pool, which is kind of a striking place to be. We had two cameras set up. Yep. And you can digital digitally zoom after the fact. Um, mm-hmm. And so we we did have like a dynamic cutting to the story, and particularly the end where I take out the tambourine lollipop and, and the lollipops fall out. You composited it out of a couple different shots to make that one shot together. So mm-hmm. it was like a very, um, very much about structure and editing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, when you when you watch any kind of show, particularly, um, I think it's easier to get away <laughs> with things in movies because you have more time, possibly. But and and watch just about any show that's not like a live show and every time they cut a scene like fixate on somebody who's not the 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 the, the primary speaking part and you can see people are like in completely different places the continuity <laughs> is all over the place well, the all, sh- it shouldn't be it shouldn't be but, but it, it, it really is like yeah. I mean, people not just like did somebody like leave a glass like in a certain place and then yeah. it's, and then ne- another place, next shot, it, it's like literally like somebody was like standing like this, and then they cut to one instant from another camera. That mm-hmm. person should still be like this, but they're like, Burp. yeah, or they're they're holding a mug in one shot, and they're not holding it in the other shot. And yeah, it, it's, I, it's in, so in defense, prevalent. it's really hard. I, yeah, I worked continuity on a 
one one movie um and it's it's really really hard because continuity is so important to the continuity person but it's not the most important thing to other people so even there there well, will be notice, cases I, like I'm, i hate to like you know i'm ruining it but like once you <laughs> notice it like every no matter how professional it is every show you watch unless it's like yeah, a yeah. whole stage you know hour-long drama or something like that any sitcom is just like Oh my God! This is all over the place. Yeah, and and so there's that, and then there's also like the the idea of cutting that there's not a one to one correspondence with what's on film and what's on life. I mean that. So for example, the initial approach of me entering the scene and walking towards Peter, we show me walking, and then you can cut from I'm here in this angle, and then I've actually like come much closer to sitting down in the second angle and that's I think not a continuity error that's that's more editing of like mm -hmm. I can I can accept that as a viewer because I don't need to watch this full yeah walk yeah. happen so you can have implied action in your cuts and so that's I think the interesting thing about cutting action is that it's not um it's another one of those like editing things of like if you do your job well, people are not going to notice it. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. actually have to be perfect because you're working with a situation that it, that's not perfect. You've got like five different cameras. And, well, and uh, in and fact, how like, many ever other if takes. you did have it perfect, it wouldn't flow right. Yep, yep. Um, so, that's and, also a problem. Like, because we've talked about before that we've edited some things and like argued over seconds or milliseconds of mm. how action should happen between no, cuts. That's how it really happened. Right, but it, but it doesn't right. look right. And so it is about like having it look right. And so that lollipop thing I think looks great and that you know mm. that's actually several different cuts stitched together to make that action look right. Yeah. To get the action that we want. And now that we pointed out, you can go there and probably see what the problem is too. I don't, I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm saying that it works. Well, right. I mean, you wouldn't notice it. But, like, you can kind of see of, like, oh, I know why they cut to that shot now is because the other shot was probably duffed out and, and not able to be used. So you found oh, another shot. Oh, like, no, so I'm saying that that's... That's the... I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying that that's, that's the artistry of doing these fairly mundane stuff. Like, I'm, it's easy for me to, like, stage a shot where, you know whatever the the smoke is going to come at the right time and the lighting is perfect like to stage a shot is a whole different world than like let me just film a person walking into a room mm -hmm. filming the person walking in a room is really hard in a completely different way and mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. if you do it like no one would say like watch watch this part of the movie right I, I had a person walk into a room there and i filmed it <laughs> yeah like, no one watch, watch them come in the door and then sit on the couch and if i it's if, brilliant yeah if I filmed it wrong, then you would notice it and it would look terrible. But right, since, right. Yeah. Since you're able to stitch it together, that's an interesting... Yeah. But it's a lot of work, too. It is a lot of work. but And that's, like, you'll have cases... We don't do this because we don't... We're usually... We're using real locations, but you can have cases where, like, this side of the room is one set and this side yeah. of the room is a completely different set, but through the magic of editing, you can make it look like they're opposite each other. Right. And I, I think that's... Or you can't follow a character from one room to the next because the other room is like in a different building. Right, the other room is in Mexico yeah. or something. But yeah, the, I, I think, and I, I am in awe of that, not having such a good visual sense. So I, I that's all I'm saying. I'm in awe of it from a 
camera standpoint because my knowledge of that comes from a comic book, whereas I'll just draw another box and another panel. This panel's in Baltimore, this one's in Mexico. I don't have to worry about them getting from the next one because a little bu bubble will come up and says, meanwhile. Right. <laughs> like, but actually getting that to flow on yeah. on screen is like, that's a whole new world. And it can, it can be a matter of milliseconds. Yeah. Um, which is just, it's, it's fun to figure out. Yeah. Before we move on, uh -huh. I just want to mention the Western Toilet music video that goes with this video. Oh, yeah. Called Environmental Pharmacy. Um, and this is footage that we used in the the actual vlog itself. It, we have a complaint about neti pots, and then so Peter's idea was that I, I would use the neti pot and struggle with it and, and choke on it. Um, and then we went outside because it was a nice day, and our episode was about the environment, so we could show a nice environment. And so we just filmed this, um, and I. I acted my best. <laughs> <laughs> you really neti potted. Yeah, it's not that hard to choke on it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Good acting. Yeah, um, but so then Peter just slowed down that footage and water. Water in slow mo is always going to be a winner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just a video for our music. Yeah. Of, of neti pot in slow motion. Anything to say about the music? Um, I like it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty pretty vapor wavy. That's, yeah, I did notice this This one was really, really Wavy. vaporwave. <laughs> Slow and chill. I, before we move on to the next one, is that everything for that? Yeah, yeah. I just want to point out while we're sitting here, we just got 115 subscribers. Ding, ding, ding. Whoa, it never stops. Yeah. Um, what if we're famous? <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring it home with Watch It. Watch It, Watch It. Our watch it this week is Barry, which is an HBO show. I think so. Yeah. It's Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live and other stuff. Plays and other <laughs> a hitman who does a hit out in LA and then gets sucked into this acting class and really starts to question whether killing people is his life's work or if he wants to be an actor. Which, to be honest, as a setup, was not really that intriguing to either of us. Um, but I kept hearing people on various blogs and, and podcasts say how funny it was. So we, we tried it ourselves. And it is, in fact, incredibly funny. Um, Before we go any further, is this spoiler free? Oh, yeah. So we are going to discuss some mechanics and plot points from only the first season. We have not caught up. We haven't... Watched the whole first season. Yeah, we haven't finished the first season. So... Um, we're going to only discuss up to that point. If you, I would say there's plot that might be fun to experience fresh. So if you're worried about spoilers and you do want to watch the show, it's very funny. Give it a try and then come back to our discussion after you've caught up to episode seven of, of the first season. Um, so we'll, we'll see you back here. <laughs> um, if you don't care about spoilers or you've already watched it, um, we're going to... Digging. Don't spoil it for us. Yeah, yeah. Don't spoil <laughs> it for us. Um, but it's it's a very. First of all, I am a sucker for behind the scenes Hollywood shows. Um, Thirty Rock. Thirty Maine. Rock, State and Maine as a movie. Slings and arrows. All about Eve. Sling, slings and arrows. Um, or the Three Faces of Eve. 
Whatever that old that old, mm. that old movie, but stuff that's about Hollywood or making TV or making acting happen. I I just I love those stories, and it is like part of it is a little bit like maybe it's not good for me in that like it's hilarious to see people who think they're good at one thing that and then like the joke is that they're not good at it but then like my very real insecurity is that I think I'm good at a thing and that I, that I would not turn out to be good at it but to make good art you have to be fully committed so it like it is hard to watch <laughs> making fun of actors in an acting class who are terrible at what they do mm -hmm. but it is also hilarious it is the joy these days of watching as the kids say cringe worthy yeah, yeah. Um, but then you also have to make space to, to like, wholeheartedly throw yourself into something. But, so, that's one aspect of the, of the show. What I really like about the arc of the show is, so it opens, the first episode opens with, like, Barry, in the aftermath of a hit, we see the dead body, and then we see him, like, cleaning his gun, and then going off into, um his life but we don't the I think the moral crux of the show is that he he has justified this work to himself is in that he's only killing bad guys that like he is taking money he's ex-marine right yeah he's an ex-marine he's, so he's been sanctioned to do this job yeah he's, as it's okay. he's taking money to kill people but he knows that the people he's killing are doing bad stuff um and this is starting to wear away that, like, he gets this this guy who is just a doofus. Um, and he's like, this isn't a bad guy. I don't feel it right killing him. Um, and he does not, in fact, kill him. He gets killed by somebody else. Um, but the show takes great pains to show him in these challenging moral situations where he does, he kind of takes inaction as his his default and then he shoots the chechens as self-defense so that's justified but then in episode seven to set up the the finale events um he ends up killing a guy who's just a security risk who was his friend at one point and i think that's an interesting point to like have have him talking about all these moral misdeeds but not actually show him doing any of them until this last second to last episode of the season um which structurally is very interesting mm. as you're saying it it's it's starting to dawn on me like it's kind of i mean i, I never watched born or dead identity past like the first movie mm -hmm. but it is like this kind of he's not genetically enhanced but he's not captain america but he is like a super soldier and like he really can't mess up he's always the dead shot he always knows yeah. exactly what do in the situation but in that sense while he's so perfectly competent in that situation he's also kind of a blank slate that is wandering into the morality of what what that is and it's a right. really slow process that it, it isn't just like thrown out on a plate of like here's what the story is about it's sort of like am i just watching a cold-blooded killer that thinks that they the laws on their side and then they bend it to be after the military they, they can continue to do this mm -hmm. and then they start to realize where that's going. Right. And because over, over at the same time, 
he's in this acting class and he's not good at acting. And the 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 teacher, played by Henry Winkler, hey. who is, he's so good. He's so funny. He's he's keep telling Barry like access your emotions, show us show us something other than a blank slate, and he can't until he kills his friend, and then that actually opens up like he's able to act. Um, so so I think you know structurally we see him. It's interesting because the so the story circle is you start from a place of normalcy and then you go into a world of chaos and then you come back by the end to your place of normalcy. And this kind of inverts that in his place of normalcy is murder. And then he goes into a place where the chaos is not murdering, it's acting. And then to bring it back to the normalcy, he then commits murder again after we don't, like, it's a show about a, a hitman and he doesn't actually kill anybody for most of the show. Um, which I, I just think is like, hmm. well, it's, I, it's so wonderfully symmetrical without being formulaic or... or right, um, it, it definitely sets up a scenario that like, well given that premise, and that's, I have no interest in watching a, sh a show about, a story about a hitman, um, so that's our reluctance in watching it, but then that gives me the, the, the excitement throughout watching of it, it, it takes turns where I'm not expecting. I'm just like, all right, so he's just going to kill that. Oh, he didn't kill that guy. Oh, that's interesting. All right, so now he's just going to go kill all these guys. I mean, he didn't do that. But so everything is a, a little left turn that's actually taking a character in an interesting place that I'm not guessing what it what what's going to happen. So it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, me. and they, they set up very well. They set up this world where, like, he he has this code... He murders for money, but it's it, he's compartmentalized it and everything's cool. And then they proceed to show you how everything is not cool and how he's not how he's like starting to break down in what he does. Because there is another murder that comes that is motivated. He actually takes the motivation to complete the job because he wants to go hang out with this girl. So it's like a total breakdown of, like, he had this rigid code and he wants to do things right and he has these skills and then, like, opening up to have a real life, to be in the acting class and to have friends and relationships. Um, start, it's in the way of his work. Yeah, it starts to mean he's not this cold-blooded killer. And, the, like, as with all anti-hero shows, you're kind of rooting for someone to do something very, very bad. Mm. Um so it's just it's it's a lot more complex and interesting than I think. And then uh, like our our first. villains, I don't know who that actor is, or the two actors that play the Chechnyans are, are oh, yeah, comical yeah. villains, but uh, they, they, what seems like one note quickly turns into like really wonderfully weird performances. Oh that, yeah, they're they're so great. Yeah. There's um, Noho Hank is the second in command, and he's. He has alopecia, but no one remarks on that. He just yeah, he, I didn't actually <laughs> realize that that's what. Yeah, that is. he doesn't have eyebrows or, or hair or anything, huh. um, and he plays this character that is like on the surface feels like too wild and crazy guys, <laughs> but he is the actor brings such groundedness to it and guilelessness that like he really is super sympathetic while also being like 
a criminal. <laughs> yeah, cold-hearted enough where the job gets done, but then he also might, like, worry about, like, I don't know, you're the decor of your living room. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, he sees the camaraderie between Barry and his handler, and he's like, oh, he cares about Fuchs. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's a delightful character. Yeah. And then Fuchs is the boss of Barry, who's played by Stephen Root, who is just, he's a joy. In everything. In everything. Um, so, that's... I recommend Barry. Yeah, it's 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 definitely didn't think we were going there and delighted that we did. Yeah. Um, but let's wrap this baby up with a uh, noodles to you. <laughs>